1: Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm super excited to have my next guest here, Peter Thomas Roth, uh, kind of an icon in the beauty industry for sure. He is the founder and CEO of the incredible brand, also called his name, Peter Thomas Roth. He is clearly an influential segment leader in the beauty industry, and the brand continues to corner the clinical market as a groundbreaking results-focused company, sourcing ingredients from all over the world, then formulating at the highest percentage possible to provide maximum results uh, for flawless, healthier looking skin. I have to say that I uh, told a few people that I was interviewing you when I was with them over the weekend and they were like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with his products. And definitely you have some big fans out there. So I'm very excited to have you here with us. So thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me. This is fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So tell us the backstory. I know that there was some family backstory, sort of what got you to actually decide to launch your own products, but I'd love to hear it from you.
0: Well, my dad and both parents were from Hungary. My dad grew up, his father had these two little hotels, one on Lake Bolotan, which is the largest lake in um, Hungary, largest lake in Europe. And then one wherever, in Michigan, wherever they live. And, um, in Hungary, if you dig down for water, you get healing water oh. every, almost everywhere. So like every place has like a spot. And basically all you do is you get this big tub, like a small swimming pool or a large jacuzzi, and you just turn on the spigot and it fills it up. You know, there's no chlorine. And then at the end of it, you'd go in it for your body aches and, and then you just drain it at the end of the night. It's really that simple. And they're all over the place. Seriously. So they had the spa and I was always interested. But then he came to America and he was a dental mechanic, came in the jewelry business. But the spa industry always interested me. And unfortunately when I was a teenager, I had so many pimples. Like it was out of control. And it went to every derm on Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue in Manhattan, got the injections into the, you know, the big the, you know it didn't pop, so, you know, so gross. So it was always, skincare was always on top of, you know, because I always had to sit like wherever, at the tip of my nose or it was gross, or I was super shiny face. And, and what I say now, just to a shiny face doesn't look good when you're an acne person. A glowing face looks good when you're a dry skin, normal skin person. Yeah, because a glowing skin, like right out of working out or a steam looks great, but an oily acne skin shine, it just doesn't have the look. I can't explain it. It's just like, it's greasy. And it's just, I have it. I still have greasy skin, oily skin. So it's just kind of interesting anyway. So I had to constantly do skincare products. And when I was in college, there's this one company that you shake, 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 and it's brown and mm-hmm. you know, yeah it was so bad I'd be the last one to go to sleep and the first one to wake up because I don't want anyone to see all the brown spots on my face which is so stupid but that's the way it was anyway um fast forward I was always into the skin because I had to be literally I had to be and then I started my own company it was a hobby because I couldn't figure out some good stuff and at the time if you go into a department store They didn't have acne ingredients. They had skin for oily skin, but they didn't do anything. There was no salicylic acid in it. There's no sulfur in it. There's no benzoyl peroxide. There's no nothing in it. So it was down to the drugstores and um, prescriptions. So that's how I started. I just started with an acne line. It was kind of fun. It was a hobby. Acne and wrinkles I did. And we had 20 products. I think ten were acne, ten were glycolic. Glycolic was super hot at the time. And that's how I started. And you know, if it's a hobby and you put everything you into it, the products are really good because I did it for myself to make it work mm-hmm. as best it could. And then I just kind of everyone kept buying it and then the people liked it and then it kept developing. And, you know, slowly but surely, like the turtle, you know, I always oh, the turtle is my favorite. Bio. I even have two turtles because the rabbit kind of turtle goes slow lives for freaking ever. You know, I have turtles that are this big now that I bought for 10 bucks in Chinatown that were so cute for my kids. They were this little, you know, with the little plastic tree. Yeah. They're still alive. You know, a rabbit, they're so cute. You know, they only live like two or three years and that's it, they're done. But they're like, give you a lot of, you know, so slow and steady wins the game and always being on top of what's hot. That's really, really important. You have to be current. If you don't know how to be current, you can't, kind of succeed in anything, whether it's building a house or clothing, or you have to be current.
1: Such good thoughts there, for sure. So was this right out of college that you, or did you do something before? A little bit after.
0: No, I went into my father's jewelry business and I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. We had a blue collar factory and I didn't like having quote unquote the factory but I liked it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. We also, I licensed Gloria Vanderbilt jewelry back then. We made jewelry for her. We did the stuff with the Franklin Mint. We did a lot of America's Press promotions. We did everything at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. If you bought a reproduction, our mm-hmm. factory made it. So it's, you know, I learned a lot about how to be like, a, for example, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, they, when they have the Egyptian exhibit, you know, each reproduction is actually reproduction. If you put it next to each other, you can't tell the difference. You know, so perfection, I'm a perfectionist and I've learned how to be perfectionist because when you're doing reproductions or with the Franklin Mint, you make 5,000 rings. Everyone has to look the same, like no difference. Like if you buy a ring, you see it, you want it to look the same. That's really hard to do, especially with stones. For example, if they're like 10 sapphires, you have to have the same color because they mm-hmm. come in lots of hues and tones. So I really learned how to be perfectionist. And then I started the skincare business and then actually I closed my dad's factory like 10 years ago because everything moved to Asia. Um, and then, but I opened, I, did, I started a jewelry company too. So with Peter Thomas Roth, com, And I have this pattern. Now that's kind of a hobby. It's just sitting there as a hobby, but it's fun. It's like, I'm into it. Just, you need a hobby.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love that you followed your passion and your interests and just your creative side, but also... Knew that in order to maintain that creative side, you had to make a business out of it, right? I mean, that was yeah,
0: and it was it, fun, and yeah, and I went to I actually went to Wharton, I graduated Wharton, so I actually knew how to do that, so that came in handy, you know, because a lot of people don't know how to do that part, and you know, that really hurts your bottom line if you can't figure it that out. So you either have to hire someone who can, or you need to do it yourself, and then if you hire someone, you can. You have to actually listen to them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What was your first product that you created under the Peter Roth uh, or Peter Thomas 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 Roth Roth line?
0: You know, we still have two in there. We still have maybe three. The cucumber gel mask, it was original. Mm -hmm. The sulfur acne mask, it's original. They're all improved, definitely improved, but they're still there. And um, I think the AHAB clearing gel, which is for acne and fine lines are still in the line vastly improved. So they're much better, but still, still there. I will tell you the saddest, the the saddest moment was, okay, everything was printed and I had a bottle of um, one of my cleansers and it was empty. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to throw the bottle out. It was like my first bottle. (laughs) It's like, it broke my heart to throw that bottle out.
1: You actually so run the first bottle out. I know. I, can't I know. It. it was
0: just I. Ha- I was there for a long time. Yeah, I couldn't do it because you know by the time you you decide on the packaging and the logo and the this and the formulas and the, you put it together and you ship it out and you have your first few and you're actually using it and you're done with it. Mm. it's like you know when you get a new pair of shoes, you hate to throw out that box. Yeah, yeah. but you have to throw it out. It has to go.
1: Oh, so great. So how would you describe the Peter Thomas Roth? I, I described it a bit in the introduction, but what it, when you think about your mission and your purpose, and maybe you see some new products that you're developing and they're not up to sort of the level that you really want it to be, what is it about your brand that you think is really, that? what's the ethos behind it that you want to always be carried through?
0: So interesting you said that being a perfectionist and coming from a manufacturer, jewelry manufacturer whose customers were very demanding, Mm -hmm. like the quality control at the time at the Franklin Mint and um, the Metropolitan Museum was really high, like as high as I would say Tiffany and Cartier would be like, you know, you go in there, the pieces are perfect, you know, as they should be, but a lot of them aren't. So, at the beginning, it was difficult working with other labs and getting what I wanted. Because they give you one or two submissions, you know, and then you want to tweak it, it doesn't feel right, you want to put more ingredient in it, it doesn't smell right, it just doesn't absorb, there's a 100 things on the list. And you know, they don't like to do it because it costs them money and they're chemists. So it became a problem. And like, a huge problem so actually we opened our own lab so we manufacture everything ourselves <laughs> so in new jersey um and basically i would say 90 percent of the products we manufacture some we actually can't just because we can't do it but the ones we can do but even the ones we can we actually sometimes send the formula there and someone else puts it in the bottle or puts it together so basically right now if, if I come up with a new product and let's just say I want to put 30% peptides in it and we want to put this base and this, you know, whatever the list is, it's like ordering food at a restaurant, I call it. And then the chef has to make it. So then they give it to the chemists, and that's their job. And then let's say it separates like oil and vinegar. So then they go, oh, we have to take some peptides. That's okay. So we take a few peptides out. But then I don't want to take, if there's 30, but then we go out to 29 and 28 and 27 until it works. Um, and sometimes. We hit it on the nail in five, ten submissions. And sometimes it's a year or two and it's like 300 submissions. It's hard. And let me explain why. First of all, it has to feel right. It has to have enough ingredients to work. It has to go into your skin to make it, you know, look good. You don't want to be super shiny or super matte, or, you, just, you know, it has to, and you don't want it to be, you have to put your makeup over it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole list of things. Then. You may not know, it needs to go to, I think it's called freeze thaw. So let's say you live in Alaska and your new sunscreen that I gave you is sitting on your dashboard. It's going to freeze in your car overnight. Hmm. So then in the morning, it's going to thaw. So that's the thing you have to do because otherwise it's going to separate, right? And then it's going to come out like oil and vinegar. Or let's say you're in Texas. And it's 110 degrees or in, in Las Vegas and it's on your dashboard and you're going to lunch. Basically, it'll heat up to 120 degrees or whatever, ridiculous hot. You know, and then it also like could separate. So after you come out with the formula, you have to go through that process. It's it's actually <laughs> like hard. And I will say one thing: if you get someone's product and it comes out a little watery, give them a break. Just get the water out and take it. That's just because the formula. Wasn't perfect, but I'm sure it's good enough. You know, so don't freak out if there's a little water or something in someone else's formula. It shouldn't be in mine,
1: That's-
0: but you never know.
1: So, what are some of the key strategies that you've thought about for the brand? You've been around for a while, and you've stayed super strong, right? And so, why do you think that you've been able to be as successful as you have?
0: Well, it's, you know, I live in Manhattan, I grew up in Manhattan and being in Manhattan, I think we're always on, like, everything is whatever's new and hot. Mm -hmm. We're, we're just there just because if you live here and you're, and you're going out and doing things, you just know what's hot, you know, Mm -hmm. what clothes are hot or what cars are hot or what restaurants are hot. So it's the same thing. I think, I don't know, maybe if I lived somewhere else where it wasn't as important, we wouldn't be as you know thriving. So when something new comes out, when one of my retailers requests something um, that's hot, we, we just always on top of what's relevant and important. Other brands don't have to do it because of other reasons in their DNA. We come out with, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight new products, excuse me, a year, um, every year. So our newness is super hot and important, and it's not easy. But it is easy. It's not easy.
1: So one of the things that I've noticed so with speak. your with your brand is some key celebrities uh, that always seem to be using your product. Why do you believe that that's important, right, for celebrities? Do you think every beauty brand, and maybe this crosses uh, into kind of other industries as well. But do you think celebrities are really uh, key to r- helping and, and um, I guess, shouting about your brand from the mountaintops, uh, it, so to speak? I mean, do you think that that's such a key thing, especially today with social media and everything else that goes on?
0: Well, two answers. Everyone needs to hear it from somebody mm-hmm. that, it will influence them, so some people would want to hear it from a big singer who's a female someone might want to hear it from a big singer who's a male or a big actor or someone might want to hear it from you know a nurse in Minnesota or a hospital worker in Missouri like we had uh, so everyone relates differently in social media it's more about you know as you swipe up on your phone just h- hitting the message and some celebrities will hit home with me and others will hit home with you. So the, and other people, like our biggest one was instant for mix. I think we had 42 million views sold out everywhere. It's still one of my hottest products and it's products like 15 years old Hmm. from Trinity, who's a, um, a hospital worker in, uh, I think, Missouri. And she just did a thing for the under the eye for the bags and she had 71 friends on TikTok and she just did a thing, she has a towel around her head and she and she showed her girlfriends, it's a three-minute video, okay, which is not what TikTok's all about, you know, TikTok is 10 seconds, right, swipe up. And it went viral and it went crazy and she was asked to be on all the talk shows, she went on all the talk shows like three years ago and she was on all the, all the news shows because at the time, there were only if I'm not mistaken, like 10 videos that were viral on TikTok, and, and we were one of them. And we didn't do it. We didn't give it to her. She wow. went to Sephora, found the product. She said, what do, you, what do I do for my back? I want fake eyelashes put on. I'm going out tonight. What do I do for these big bags? And they brought my product. And then she said, oh my God, totally gone temporarily, but gone, you know, till she washes it off. Anyway, so that was just viral. And then we had, um, a few really good ones with Celine Dion, not Celine Dion's, um, um, What's um,
1: Gomez or Gomez, thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: she just did it. We didn't send her the product. It was amazing. Well, Usher sure did it. it See through Vogue. It just it just happens. We've had Heidi Klum put on the mask. We have we have, you know, we've had so many. And um, you know, and then we have a lot of just regular people do it too. So it's just, yeah.
1: It's it's well, just I, all
0: over the place.
1: I think you touched on too that I think especially today real people, right? And and if and figuring out how people relate. So even your story of having acne and you get it, right? And there's a story behind right. why you decided to do this that I think many people um maybe not all people, but many people know that story and that's why you decided to developed the company. You do. It. So.
0: And you know what? The first product, the AHA, BHA clearing gel, mm-hmm. um, it has 2% salicylic acid in it. So the first one was sticky. It kind of felt like scotch tape on your face. And I redeveloped it like about, I don't know, I don't know, five years ago. And it goes on so beautifully well and you don't feel it. And as an acne person, when you put, so, you don't want to feel anything on your face because your face will get greasy in a few hours anyway. So the fact that it goes away and it has glycolic acid in it too, and it helps with fine lines and wrinkles and cells look at it's like it's like a win-win. But yes. So like it took me to, you know, actually want that feel. It's hard to get. A lot of companies come up with the stickiness. But yeah, and every company works differently, like you said, some social some are all on social media. Yeah. Um, with celebrities. And it, it's it's just a mix. It's all good. There's nothing bad. <laughs>
1: you obviously have a a tremendous partnership with sephora uh that is um you know pretty incredible too but do you think a brand needs to have kind of those anchors uh to be successful today i mean obviously direct to consumer is much bigger than it was when you first got going um but it's but do you think that you really do need to have um the uh The kind of big anchor, whether it's Sephora or maybe somebody else—I don't know who that would be—but
0: Ulta, Ulta or
1: yeah, I mean, is it pretty much
0: Macy's, Bloomingdale's?
1: But if you don't Um, have those, is are there any products that you can think of, like that maybe have you know really done it? Yes, and so there's a few. Yeah, interesting.
0: So there are a few lines out there, and. I can't speak for them because I don't know, and when yeah. you sell um when you sell on your own private website, you don't know the sales, but they're whopping ones that that you know go direct to direct to them, and um I don't know their sales, but eventually if you, every, eventually everyone wants to go into brick and mortar yeah um so your options are if you want to be in prestige, it's Sephora's obviously huge. Alta is huge. There's QVC. There's um, all the department stores out there. And then if you want to go mass, then it's, you know, the drugstores. It's, it, you can't do both, you know? So tell There's me. Amazon. How,
1: yeah. And Amazon as well, of course, is, is so key for so many brands. So building a strong and super loyal community, like I mentioned in the beginning, uh, When I shared with a few people that I was going to be interviewing you, you have a huge community out there and people just love your product. And first of all, that must make you feel so great, right? Every time you hear somebody saying, Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with these different products. Maybe you see this various people on social media, but when you run into somebody and, or they write to you saying how much you've changed their life and in some way, how do you develop these incredible uh, advocates for your brand that are really shouting from the mountaintops about your brand. I mean, how do you do that?
0: So, truth quest two questions on that. First is um, we sell to teens, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 plus. We sell to men, women. We sell to all skin colors and tones. We sell to everybody. Um, we're in the retailers that support that, meaning one one retailer might be an older customer, one retailer might be a younger customer. Um, but I think what really happens is they actually look at the ingredients. There are a lot of smart people like yourselves, and who um, are reporters and um, skincare experts, and they actually starts at the bottom, I think, and they look at the ingredients, but only, but also the percentages because sometimes you know it's not enough. Um, they put the percentages in, and they and then we get a lot of solid feedback, like a car. You know, like mm-hmm. first you start with the engine, then you start with outs- then the outside, and then the brand hits it. But if the car doesn't work well, it's not going to you know sell. So it's the same thing. Um, the the bottom line is when they when they Google everything and they see. What really nice ingredients we have in all the products and in the high percentages, you know, someone's going to give you 40, 50, $60, whatever for something expecting results. Like you got to deliver and you got to give them what they want. They just, you know, so we do that. And so I think it starts at the bottom. And then once you have everyone there who will support you because not because they like you or don't like you just because the product speaks for itself. And then, A lot of those people who follow the people who look at the ingredients will start posting. And then it's like a pyramid up, like a staircase. I think it works that way. Instead of being like, I don't know, a hot pink shoe that's super hot, that's just super hot, you know, that everyone wants because it's a designer made it super hot. So I don't think it works that way with us. It's more like, I want it because it's going to work. And then they have the confidence... Of it. And then we also now have the critical mass, which means, which I never understood before. We were in like a department store a while back, and I'd be standing there. <laughs> and then they just walk to the next counter and I go, hey, what about me? Come over here. And what happens is once you like one or two products in a line, mm-hmm. it's really easier to get that customer to try another, a new product. Hmm. So if you have a brand new line over here, And even though it could be super hot and all the celebrities or whatever is talking about it, it's hard to get your feet wet the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, because people, you know, but if they tried my product and they've been using it for years and and then we come up with the new one, the chances of getting, you know, and so that's why I call it critical mass. And the older companies have that the newer companies don't, you know, the newer companies will get it. It just takes a while, you know, um, to get it because you could, fill all these bottles and no one's gonna show up to buy them even though it could be the best products in the market so it's kind of like it takes a while to get in there
1: so like you I'm an entrepreneur I started a company called hint uh, back in 2005 and and uh, and to grow a brand from zero is very hard I talk a lot to a lot of entrepreneurs in a lot of different industries and there's a there's kind of a a founder's cult right that's around because you just get it you might not understand somebody's industry but you know how hard it is to build a brand that really uh has roots and um yours clearly does when you look back and think about maybe some mistakes uh, or maybe you didn't do something quick enough is there anything that kind of stands out like i wish i would have uh I don't know, gone direct to consumer sooner. I wish I would have uh, done, uh, hired a um, CFO sooner. Anything like that sort of jump out at you as, as gosh, I wish I would have done this sooner.
0: We, we were late going into Instagram and Facebook. Hmm. And um, we were just late into doing it for no particular reason. And a lot of people are way ahead of us on that, you know. But now, if you go back, Peter Thomas Roth official, we have a whole team on it. My son's part of it, and it's really yog and hip and cool. And, and have I think twelve people on that team. So we make some gorgeous videos, and it's just a beautiful site. It's just fun. It's entertaining. Even if you don't buy the products, it's fun to look at. You know what I mean? So where we've engaged in that, um, and so that could have been a little earlier. Um, I There's certain things I'm glad I didn't do. So I've never re, revamped the entire line. I've, my competitors did that a few times and they had big failures back in the day. And I never believed that because I like, you know, like I do, I come out with one product that might be slightly different. Like I, I never had um, color on my box. Mm-hmm. So, I put a cucumber on and we tried it with one product. It was so successful. And then we had the pumpkin and, you know, then we continued it. So there are ways to continue. That's like, I'm a little cautious on that. While other people might just, this is the new brand. It's, It's all brown. It used to be blue, you know, or whatever. So I'm not, that's kind of not what I do. What else? I don't know. We were we were early into Q. Thank goodness we we're right first ones into Sephora, which we did. First ones, first store they opened opposite Saks in Manhattan. We were in that one and every other one in the city. So we did that well. <laughs> we were late into Ulta, but we're in there. We were late into QVC, but we're in there. So yeah, we didn't do everything immediately, but we you know it's, it's, now we're in, we're everywhere now, so it's all good.
1: Well, I think it's interesting when I think, when I hear you saying that too, it's, it's, uh, you recognize where you were late, but you also went ahead and did it, right? And you caught up. And I think things like social media, for example, I was just sharing with uh, another founder who felt behind. And I said, the beauty is, is like the barrier to entry on social media is pretty minimal. You just get on it, right, and you start going, and you staff and you have a strategy and everything, but you can catch up pretty quickly um if you're good right, and I think that that's the key thing, and also your brand uh it's it's fascinating i'm sure to to see how many people how many new people are bringing are jumping in because they see a cool video or something on Instagram, so I really think new member acquisition is probably. The most interesting thing, especially if you have a brand that is um that maybe waited to get into social media
0: yeah, no yes, I agree it's it's all good social media you know is is perfect you know it's one of the new newer ways to go, which is fine
1: so when you look back on advice uh maybe the best advice that somebody ever said to you or If you have any advice to give to anybody who's thinking about starting a company, maybe thinking about when you were first getting ready to launch some of those initial products, or maybe it was somewhere.